Really at Jam City, we want to treat the players first and foremost. We really care about their experiences. That comes down to ad quality and what type of ads they're seeing. So we want to make sure that the performance is there. A waterfall management does take a lot of time. The big drawback is the back and forth with networks, obviously the uh, analysis behind it, and not always is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. That was Kyle. Kyle is the Senior Director of Ad Monetization from Jam City, and he uses IronSource's platform to automate his monetization and grow game revenue. That is time that is really maximized and could theoretically be a 50 to 100% to 2x increase in overall ad revenue. Theoretically, Level Play just automates a lot of that. That is a huge time sink for a lot of our teams. Want to grow like Jam City? Get the SDK on ironslc.com. That's ironslc.com. Folks, most mobile advertisers are increasingly aware of the dangers of app install fraud. In fact, global financial exposure to app install fraud in the first half of 2020 was $1.6 billion. And even though the mobile ad industry has grown exponentially to defend itself properly against ad fraud, the potential amount of damage is still extremely high and fraudsters will always want a piece of that pie. Now, fraud methods are constantly evolving and adapting to solutions in the market. Still, staying protected and applying sophisticated anti-fraud solutions are very much a necessity for all marketers. As you all know, our good partner AppSlyer offers super robust fraud protection, making sure you're not paying for that bogus traffic. AppSlyer is also perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive that marketing success. And listen, it's not only us at here at Deconstructor of Fun raving about AppSlyer. Playrix, Tencent, Playtica, Square Enix, Huge Games, all of these companies and many more are using AppsFlyer to boost their business. So go to AppsFlyer.com and get yourself attribution and fraud protection you can trust. Hey, welcome to Twig 106. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We got myself, Joe Kamer, Crest, Adam Telfer, and Kenny, Mr. Lou. How's it going, guys? We are covering three articles today. The first, the problem with tech monopolies from both sides of the political aisle from the Wall Street Journal. Second, Stadia creative director says streamers should pay publishers from 9to5Google. And finally, Facebook's cloud gaming offering focuses on free-to-play mobile games by Ars Technica. What's going on, people? How are you guys doing? Oh, Kids are back at school. Yay! I finally get the house to myself. Uh, they started yesterday. I'm so excited. Um, now I can run around and do whatever the hell I want to do and not be Just bothered in time by for this. the second wave of coronavirus to hit. Dude, dude San, Francisco, San Francisco is like completely insulated. They're like a, 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 a yellow button in the entire red sea of red in, in California. So we're doing really well in the San Francisco. I think we're very compliant to the rules in this city. So nice. we're doing well. Um, so hopefully that continues. But yeah, it's probably more likely that we'll see them go out of school and come back home when things get bad. But we'll see. Yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here in Canada, I don't know if you guys have the same thing, but there's like a huge shortage on like appliances and furniture. Whoa, so I've got this really? new house, as you can hear by the echo, and no furniture. <laughs> Sitting here with like old IKEA furniture that I brought from Berlin. Well, congrats on the new house, Adam. That's awesome. 
Thanks. But uh, yeah, uh, everything is completely, um, you know, destroyed at least supply chains for furniture appliances. So it's been fun, you know, people running around Ikea trying to get all the, the couches they can. <laughs> yeah. One big change for me after 10 years of Asana and prior to that, probably like four or five years of Jira, I finally made the switch for, to pro from product management tools to monday.com. So if anyone out there is a Monday user, hit me up. Let's share best practices. But yeah, that's the only thing going on for me. Should we jump into updates? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Um, so the first one, NBA 2K1 has just added unskippable advertising to their game again. Um, but this was only for a small niche of players and has actually since stopped. Um, they've actually tried this out a few times in the past. Um, last October, 2K20 they did, as well as 2K19, they tried this stuff out. Um, but yeah, it's just creating backlash. They quickly cut it, um, but it's always funny to watch the backlash. Um, Stadia had some news this week. Um, it's now become a platform for demos. Um, the big one this week was a game called Phoenix Rising by Ubisoft. It's their Zelda-like game. I think we've covered it before in the past. Um, it, was called, it was called Gods and Monsters, the, right? Yeah, exactly. God and Monsters was the previous name for it. Yeah, um, Gods and Monsters, which is a much better name, but... Yeah. And funny enough, my Siri keeps thinking I'm asking him questions <laughs> while I'm doing this podcast. Um, anyways, so the demo, you can actually like pick it up, click the link right from YouTube. Super nice. You can jump right into the game um, and play the game um, right on your PC. Uh, nothing on console. And I think it might work on mobile, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe later. Um, so yeah, for me, it was it was a pretty cool experience to just be able to jump into the game. But overall, it was actually less than 1080p on PC. And you can obviously see the compression. And it actually pretty much like chugged and lagged. It was like a f even on my pretty stable 500 megabits per second connection. So Really? On a single yeah. player experience like that? The That's single crazy. player experience, there was noticeable lag. Um, <sighs> yeah, uh, but it was... You know, nice to be able to play a demo very quick. So hopefully Google can actually make a decent business model of this because to be honest, now they're just taking all of the cost and none of the value. All these devs can oh, you know, yeah, spread give their me games a break. Online. Dude, they're not gonna get a business model out of referral fees for demos, you know. Like come on, that's like <laughs> vice nuts, dude. The amount of money yeah. they've been spending on this crap, right? Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, they become yeah. a demo machine. That's, that's yep, phenomenal. Exactly. They also did some Pac-Man thing, but to be honest, nobody really cared about that. But uh, yeah, desperate yeah. times. All right, I've got four updates. First, it was reported by The Verge that Epic, in a new court filing, has said that Apple, quote, has no rights to the fruits of Epic's labor. This case seems like it's headed to court, and U.S. District Court Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers, a.k.a. YGR, said the case should go to a jury to decide and suggesting a trial time frame of summer 2021. Second update... Honor of Kings reigns supreme again. PocketGamer.biz notes that the game was the top-earning mobile game in September, generating $240 million, Jesus. which represented an 87% year-over-year increase. But of this, 96% of that revenue came from China. Also, uh, PUBG Mobile, also a Tencent title, took second place, earning $198 million last month, which represented... Merely a 13.3% year-over-year growth. 
Third update, again by Pocket Gamer, Roblox has hit $2 billion in player spending on mobile. Based on sensor tower data, Pocket Gamer notes that Roblox had its best month actually in May when it made $113 million. Finally, Polygon is reporting on Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, aka AOC, who streamed Among Us on Twitch and reached almost 1 million users, including 430,000 from her stream. But in addition, she had co-stars such as Pokemane and Valkyrie, which drove up the total number of viewers. I was also watching a bit, and I have to say how impressed they put this together. I saw AOC's tweet, and literally like a couple days later, they had all of these viewers. So that was pretty crazy. Polygon is calling this the future of politics. I'm not so sure about that. I think AOC is a bit of an anomaly. But I'm sure if Trump went and played Among Us or Fall Guys, he'd have like a million viewers as well. But we'll see how things go. But it is cool to see this kind of convergence between politics and gaming. Definitely kind of an interesting thing that has happened. All right. I have one update. Yeah. Sony delays again. One of the two remaining exclusive PS5 titles, Destruction All-Stars. Basically, all that's left is Godfall. And I do not consider Demon Souls remaster an exclusive because it's a fucking remaster, okay? Um, and what's crazy is the brain dead enthusiast press basically says this is a brave move for Sony. They want to make sure that the multiplayer game had a huge pool of players to play with, so they're going to delay it later and make it free to play. I go, how is this brave? You know, I think it's brave to bring out a five hundred dollar console with no freaking games. That's freaking brave, you know. But uh, the reality is, there's basically no exclusive content for this console at all. The messaging around exclusives like Spider-Man, Horizon, and Gran Turismo was a complete lie, and they knew it then, and now everyone knows it now. But does it even matter? No. They're going to sell out every goddamn PS5 that comes out this holiday, and they're going to be fine. But I wish they'd be a little bit more honest in their marketing because now, again, they just are doing exactly what Microsoft is doing, is basically we won't see an exclusive for the first two or three years of the cycle. Um, anyway, it's, I think it's really funny how marketing works. It's good on Sony, right? Like they actually managed to get through this whole cycle with that lie and not get called out for it. Everybody's basically patting them on the back for, for this content, even though it's cross gen. And they're so brave. Oh, you're so brave. <laughs> and again, also to be honest, right? Like who really cared about destruction all-stars anyways? Like I, this is the first time I've heard about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm I, you're right. That game is not going to move munits or whatever. It's not moving the needle. It's just the whole principle of it all. It's just like the blatant falsity principle, their entire the marketing, <laughs> their whole marketing campaign was a bunch of fucking lies. Right. And they knew it. That's the thing is I knew it back then. Cause I know I talked to people about it and, and they just lied through their teeth and, and, and miss miss. Maybe they didn't lie. They misled. Like yeah, they, they didn't lie. To, they just didn't say anything. They they yeah. implied that it was exclusive to PS5. Yeah, like Spider-Man, for instance, was the biggest lie of it all. Right, that game is just a is basically a a uh, what do you call it expansion pack that they've made into a full game. You know. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, it's all nonsense to me. But whatever, it, it, it works. It works for them. They're going to do fine. I'm still bullish. Cool. Well, um, I guess rounding out the uh, updates for today. So lawmakers in South Korea are proposing changes to um, 
the Telecommunications Business Act that would require not just game, but also app developers broadly to list on multiple app stores, which is basically ending store exclusive games. And the aim of this is expressly to challenge the monopoly held by Google Play and Apple App Store, uh, which according to the proposal from the Korean lawmakers, they account for about 90% market share. Um, separately, but on a related note, BBC published an article yesterday about how Google, Facebook, and Microsoft should be paying more corporation tax in developing nations. Um, the charity, which is called Action Aid, est estimates that poor countries are missing out on up to $2.8 billion in tax revenue that could be used to tackle the pandemic. ActionAid is calling for big companies to pay basically a global minimum rate of tax. And uh, according, specifically according to the charity's research, the developing nations with the highest gaps in tax uh, for, for income from these companies are India, Indonesia, Brazil, Nigeria, and Bangladesh. And while Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon have all settled disputes with European tax authorities over their operations this past decade, it looks like globally we're going to see an increase in protectionist policies as it relates to technology and taxation. Okay. All right. Sorry. I, this is going to get me in a lot of trouble. I know already. <laughs> I'm no expert. I'm no expert in South Korea, right? But I have a, I have a Korean father-in-law, if that helps at all. But I can't believe that they are actually going after someone for monopoly behavior in their country right <laughs> do you do you know what the percent share of korean car manufacturers are in korea i think it's like 90 percent, right because the tariffs that they put on insane tariffs they put on foreign cars make it absolutely impossible to like sell cars in korea and that's like for everything can you buy a japanese dvd player no you can't buy anything that's from international and so now they're coming after that's fucking rich. That is really rich, right? They have the most protectionist economy in the entire world, almost, in terms of anything that's not invented in South Korea cannot be purchased in South Korea without insane amounts of taxes. So I think that's really ironic, but whatever. It's crazy how many people are coming after Google and Apple on this App Store stuff. And I think I'm, I'm with you, Joseph. I, I, I think Epic's going to have some kind of win here, at least with a renegotiation, just like the lawyer said in back. But anyway, that's rich coming out of South Korea. Am I wrong on this? Or I, I, this is my yeah, well, impression of. Well, based off what you said, I'm just surprised they haven't done it earlier. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly right. Cause they're not getting, yeah, you're right. They're not, they're not participating in all this. It's all these American companies that are actually making money out of from their user base. So yeah. anyway, all right, Joseph, am I wrong on that one? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't keep keep track of what, what happens in Korea very much. So, I'm not, so I believe you, but I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, people, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsor, Beta Hat, and then we will be right back. So stay tuned. I want to talk about consumer insights. Honestly, I've always had issue with consumer insights. I questioned the value and felt that CI was always somewhat disconnected from the real world. The big issue with CI firms is they don't hire people that know anything about video games and therefore don't have a fundamental understanding of what matters in this business. That's why I like Beta Hat. Beta Hat knows the business of video games and understands how to connect consumer insights to the real world. And Beta Hat helps you understand your customers, understand not only what they do, but why. They specialize in customer segmentations, brand tracking, messaging and positioning, pricing and skew planning, 
and playtesting through qualitative and quantitative research. There are about 10 people in this industry that I rely upon to understand trends. And one of them is Stan Kwan, the CEO of BetaHat. BetaHat is the best CI team in the industry. Go to betahatmr.com for more information. That's betahatmr.com. Welcome back from the commercial break, and let's start the news. Rolling into the news and speaking about Epic and antitrust, the first article we will cover is the problem with tech monopolies from both sides of the political aisle. So Wall Street Journal reported on basically bipartisan support of antitrust reform against all of the major tech platforms. But given the U.S. elections, and especially with what was precipitated by that New York Post story about Hunter Biden, that basically sparked off this huge debate about tech platforms such as Twitter and Facebook about these platforms as are they publishers, are they carriers? There's this huge Silicon Valley debate about all that stuff going on right now. And ultimately, the way that I read this is that the implications of all of this is that the politicians now realize that the tech monopolies have power over politics, power over elections, which now is causing politicians to laser focus on breaking up these big tech companies that hold power over them. So the Wall Street Journal, again, spoke to both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, and for whatever reason, Microsoft's chief privacy officer. Uh, in this case, Democratic Representative David Cicilline and Republican Senator Josh Howley. So let me just read a few quotes and then we'll talk implications. But the first is from Senator Howley, who stated, quote, Facebook, in particular, is a monopoly. Google is a monopoly. They have unprecedented power in the American economy, over American news, over the distribution of information and communication. You can see that power in real time with this attempt to censor, to throttle down the distribution of this New York Post story. Then from Congressman Cicilline, who's a Democrat, quote, we conducted a 16-month bipartisan investigation into the digital marketplace to look at large technology platforms and how that marketplace was operating. We concluded in a nearly 400-page report that these platforms have monopoly power. They use that power to maintain their market dominance. They do it by bullying competitors, preferencing their own goods and services, and they have used that dominance to act as gatekeepers into this part of our economy. And finally, a quote from Microsoft's chief privacy officer, Julie Brill, quote, we're at an inflection point right now when it comes to privacy. We have an opportunity to create rules that will allow for responsible data use and innovation and at the same time protect privacy. Anyway, I won't go into all the details. There's a bunch of discussion from these three folks in that Wall Street Journal, Journal article. But the short of it is that Kind of what we've been warning about on this podcast seems to now be getting a lot of, a, of momentum and from both political parties. So both Tweedles seem to be moving towards essentially breaking up of tech monopolies and greater data privacy policies. So for us in the gaming industry, this means that yes, as we have stated time and time again, don't count out Epic. And I know a lot of you you know, kind of armchair legal experts out there have been saying that Epic has no chance. Well, guess what? I do think they have a chance. I think that's kind of where we're headed. And we also realize that the direction Apple is headed with IDFA deprecation may potentially expand to Google. There's also a lot of talk about privacy data, things of that nature. And I'm not going to go into all the implications right now because we already have like four to five hours of implications on other podcast episodes. But just be aware of the implications for people in our 
in the mobile gaming ecosystem and for game monetization. So anyway, be ready folks. Attitudes and the tides seem to have shifted against big tech. 2020 continues to be the year to get your popcorn ready because anything can happen. What do you guys think? I don't want to comment on what's going on right now because clearly things are changing. It's super complicated. There's like things that are going on. But I, I do want to say I, I did talk to a lawyer way back when before all this kind of scrutiny started to happen. And he was a pretty big time lawyer for one of the big tech firms. And he basically said that most of the tech giants were protected class of companies for the last like 20 years, right? During the Clinton administration, during the Bush administration, during Obama's administration, is that the majority of the people that were making policies around technology were ex-Googly people or ex-Facebook people yeah. or ex-Microsoft people. And so they fundamentally, they were a protected class. And um, love or hate Trump... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and during the Obama administration is evidently worse. But love or hate Trump, like the, the 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 change has occurred in terms of like the type of people that are scrutinizing these tech giants. And now they're in the crosshairs. Right. Um, and so I think that's what we're seeing right now is kind of this built up of allowing this their kind of activities over, you know, the last, what, 15, 20 years. Um, and now kind of like the government's catching up and, and kind of investigating exactly how they do business, right? So I don't know what the result's going to be, but I think I agree with Joseph in the sense that even though Epic may not have an actual case per se, but the amount of public pressure on these guys, I mean, even the South Koreans are coming after you, you know, like it's it, it, it might be time for them to think about renegotiating things and, and doing some more consumer and partner friendly activities. And that starts with Apple and Google, you know, renegotiating this 30 percent nonsense, which made sense when you were selling dollar apps, but doesn't make sense when you're making billions of dollars. Um, and then, you know, and then the breakup stuff is interesting. I don't know if that actually really works because you just dominate they just continue to dominate and do whatever they want to do type thing. It's actually, in some ways, it's actually good for the shareholders if they break up like Google or something because um, it unlocks more value. But I don't know. Anyway, so we'll see what happens with all this this nonsense. But I think it's just kind of everything's coming to a head and and everyone everyone has has a bullseye on their, on their forehead right now uh, in the tech I mean, the Silicon space. Valley word on the street is these big tech guys – have been kind of expecting this to happen and they've been preparing for it. Like, you know, the rumor is that Facebook has actually been writing their code in such a way to try and integrate as much as possible to like make it like a monolithic piece of code so that if they were ordered to break up that it would take them years to untangle all the code to actually be able to separate that stuff. So yeah, but Microsoft made that thing, made that kind of claim back way back when about uh, the browser stuff too. But uh, I hear what you're saying. Um, All right, moving on, Adam. Yeah, so uh, interesting announcement this week. So Stadia's creative director says streamers should pay publishers. This is from Nine to Five Google. Um, so this was actually following the Stadia announcements we talked briefly about um, during the updates. Um, and afterwards, Stadia actually started trending, but but for the wrong reasons because Alex Hutchinson, um, a creative director at Stadia tweeted, he thinks streamers should be paying the developers, similar to how streamers have to pay fees when using licensed music. Uh, the tweet blew up pretty quickly uh, with the Twitterverse piling on, really making fun of Stadia. 
um, and included guys like Dr. Disrespect and actually some pretty funny tweets about how no one should take business advice from Google. So I really appreciated those. Um, obviously, this is a pretty one-sided issue and obviously the guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, I think it just comes from the mentality of AAA. Um, note that he's a creative director at, at Google, not the creative director. Um, he worked on Journey to Savage Planet, um, it, which is a small studio in Montreal, not all of Stadia, and came from a background of Ubisoft, WB Montreal, mostly AAA action RPGs. And I can see like AAA devs getting pissed off at streamers because they basically play through an entire game without any commentary and just post all of that story cinematic and all of that content. And, you know, people just watching other people play something like Assassin's Creed um, or something like Journey to Savage Planet really cuts down the value of the game, right? The streamer gets all of that value, potentially some revenue, and the developer loses. Um, I equate this to something like the news industry trying to handle web scrapers and con consolidation sites where people, other people are getting rich off of your content. And I understand that that sucks. And it also morphs that industry into something challenging and different. But I think the only way forward is that you have to embrace internet culture, that content on its own can be duplicated and consumed for free, regardless of how hard you worked on that content. And I think you have to create content, especially in games where we have the tools to be able to do this, that can actually take advantage of that culture rather than be cut down by it, right? So that's exactly what's worrying about this creative director at Stadia, because working on Stadia, in theory, you have the potential to take advantage of this change. We talked about the slickness of things like YouTube links, you know, is the killer Stadia feature, quote unquote. Um, so if, if linking and um, streamers and YouTube culture is a major part of your platform, why the hell is this guy your creative director? Not someone actually excited by streamer culture? Because I think streamers, are your influencers, your evangelists, your organic connectors to your audience. So no other industry I think has such a clear and measurable connection between that revenue, end game revenue and influencers. And I think games like Among Us absolutely should pay streamers, especially the two that blew up that game since the game would be nothing without them, right? And I think from a marketing perspective, if you look at return on ad spend from influencers, it's actually far more positive the most traditional media. Why Apex Legends spends millions on just a few streamers instead of, you know, more TV ads, right? And why Valorant focused on free Twitch drops instead of a traditional media launch, right? Spinning up the flywheel of organic influencers on Twitch really pays off. So why the hell <laughs> would I ask organic influencers to pay me in order to advertise my product? That makes no sense. So yeah, embrace the value of new content, create endlessly repeatable and shareable games, else you know, face the wrath of Twitch and Twitter. And to be honest, your YouTube links will not save you otherwise. So there you go, Eric. I, that, that's my inflection. Is my inflection okay today, Eric? No, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, I didn't even think about that angle, dude. This is exactly why hiring Jade Raymond and her band of friends up in Montreal to build games for Stadia makes no sense. These guys don't have any experience whatsoever on, on, on cloud or any type of like, they don't even understand the marketing behind 
cloud-based stuff and the advantage they could have. You know, it's it's so crazy, like how disconnected they are with 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 what they're trying to build. And this is their creative director. This guy has been in the business for twenty years. Like he's no junior. He had like seven years at UB, seven years at EA, and last year, three years, he was doing his own studio. And he gets bought out by Google to build cloud-based gaming and he can't even embrace how to market the games on in 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 the, in the internet world that's crazy it's really nuts i just don't understand why he would poke the hornet's nest like you see how much of an impact the streamers are boosting positively like other games and so if you just like release something like that like you're of course you're going to get decimated by the entire internet community yeah and i i i would say that like out of all the things that have happened over the last like 10 years i think this this like streamer and influencer like marketing is is one of the best innovations in actually publishing games. I would argue. I agree. Anyway, and yeah. you basically create discovery, you know, out of the traditional methods. Like I always thought that TV advertising was such a profound waste of money for 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 uh, for gaming back in the day. And this stuff is like direct and measurable, right? Finally, something that's actually measurable, right? And yeah. So, now, of course. It, of course, I have to say something negative. Like, you know, this influencer business is going to get dirty, right? You know, the influencers are going to devolve into shills for the big publishers who are paying them. But I don't need to go negative. Like, I'm gonna, I finally said something positive about stuff. So let's leave it at that. I think this is a great marketing innovation. And the fact that these guys at Google don't understand that is unbelievable is unbelievable and they throwing that shit out there at twitter he's crazy he is crazy yes. that yeah. he is completely disconnected with what that fucking business is is attempting to solve you know discovery <laughs> ubiquity any platform anywhere in the world right yeah and, and they then let let, let let the streamers pay right like you're crazy i think i think in general it's just like streaming unlock is a, is just an extremely powerful tool and so um, you know, you could actually, depending on who leverages that tool, you know, if you could build that into uh, your game design mechanics um, or system somehow, you would re you would uh, be able to capture outsized value, in my opinion, from both a engagement and also a monetization perspective. It's just, you know, it's just I don't think people are really thinking that deeply about how, from a first principles basis, on how to how to actually, you know, make that synergistic. Uh, just keep in mind, Eric, I'm going to go corporate PR on you. This is just one dude's perspective. It's not all of Google's perspective. Um, I'm actually oh, going to no, no, defend sorry, Google sorry. there. Because no, no. Google came out right afterwards and said, look, we don't believe this guy whatsoever. No, no, I, 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 That's one dude's opinion. Yeah. I know. I totally overstated that. I, I was. I actually said this. Put that in my notes. Is that the yeah, Google basically completely disavowed any knowledge of this guy <laughs> but uh but the, anyway that could but it is it is an indication of the team that they acquire to build games for you know exclusive games for their their platform you know one of the major creative guys is just not embracing internet culture right with this nonsense right so but, but uh, yes i yeah I, defense though like i don't agree with them at all but like the the sheer amount of negative feedback, like this dude got eviscerated, right? Like, like <laughs> can't someone make a mistake? Like he clearly made a mistake, but like on, on Twitter, you cannot make a mistake or you just get like no. completely. He also doubled down on it, right? Like he, he didn't just like accept it. He then poked the beast, right? Like Jason Schreier from like Kotaku starts questioning him. He's like going back at him. I don't know, man. 
I don't know. I, I don't know this guy. I'm sure he made a mistake. Hopefully he, he's like come back, but I, that doesn't hit the headline. So I, I didn't research that far. <laughs> yeah. We don't go uh, that and, deep. And one point to one point, Kenny on, on like actually trying to design for YouTube links, right. And like shareability like this. The funny thing is you look at what Stadia launched this week. There's the Pac-Man game. Okay. Nobody cared about that, but then there is the Phoenix rising and you click the link, you play the game. It's like, wow, I get a full PC experience. And guess what your PC experience is? 20 minutes of story content that <laughs> doesn't matter at all before you actually get to play the game with real like fighting mechanics, right? Like why yeah. wouldn't you just take advantage of the Stadia link and immediately drop somebody into a giant horde of enemies and be like, guess what? You can have fun in this sandbox, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, don't give them too many ideas, Adam, otherwise they'll just, you know, <laughs> actually make money. So, yeah, I don't know. Like this whole idea of, of shareable links, you have to create content that takes advantage of it. To be honest, like I think Among Us would have been a perfect game for a link to an immediate access to the game, right? Like being able to, a streamer, be able to put a link to, hey, join my Among Us game, right? Or like adjust the design so you can have some of that kind of drop in stuff. Yeah, That's totally. interesting. Yeah, but not 20 minutes of story. Sorry, Phoenix Rising. All right, the final article. And wow, what a triggering headline this would be for Mr. Kress here is the uh, Facebook cloud gaming offering focuses on free-to-play <laughs> mobile games. I mean, dude, that's like the trifecta of nonsense of, of a, of a, of a I, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I knew Joseph put this in here just to piss me off, right? But um, Oh, you didn't put this leak in yourself, Eric? No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> but actually, after reading his blog, because the headline and the articles from Ars Technica and all these other guys were absolutely nonsensical. Like, how can they not be critical of an idea this flawed in reasoning and logic, right? But, um, but actually, I read, uh, uh, what's his name? Jason's blog, who is running this the show over there, Jason Ruman. And he actually kind of put things in, in, in a reasonable perspective and a reasonable like context. Yeah. So what he said was he's, they're not going to overpromise and not deliver. I'm using his words. Not, not to overpromise and underdeliver. We're not trying to replace your favorite gaming hardware. We're going to start with what we do best and expand from there. And we're not spinning off a separate cloud gaming unit. And we are not launching on iOS, of course, because Apple are bastards. Um, so they have some, you know, decent free-to-play games in here. You know, Asphalt, Mobile Legends, a golf game, Salt, or whatever. Um, you know, you, you you get to create your own player name and avatar. You know, the ads are going to be delivered in HTML5. Like they're actually building a decent, dedicated gaming portal i suppose for both android and and pc um so but <laughs> again this doesn't make any sense this is not the way people consume content like fundamentally this it doesn't make sense the the because the experience will always be better on the native platform and why would you stream a game you can download and install on your device and play? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, the demand for this does not exist, right? They have no exclusive content. They have no other compelling content to really drive the platform. 
there's a huge massive disconnect between the notion that you're going to expand the audience outside of the traditional markets by providing a online service that requires insane amounts of bandwidth to run, right? Like you're not going to be able to do this in India or Brazil or wherever else because the bandwidth costs are going to be so prohibitive, you know? Um, and again, the cross-platform play is really a great PR and, and marketing tool, but the reality of it is, is that playing on a, a PC and, and a mobile device is completely different and the controls don't work. And then he was doing really well. Like I thought his blog post was really, really well thought out and like actually put things in perspective. But then the last quote in the article just like sent me over the edge. He's like, as crazy as it sounds, the values of Facebook social games from 2010 are nearly identical to the promise of cloud games in 2020. Are you fucking kidding me? Do Facebook literally destroyed an entire gaming ecosystem by charging 30% and removing the virality of the games on their platforms? They destroyed like, I don't know, dozens of companies that were focused on Facebook gaming. And frankly, the churn and burn style of those games back in the day, I mean, there were some that were pretty decent, but most of them were just like really churn and burn. I don't know if you want to be comparing yourselves to that at this stage of the game, right? Um, so... I don't know, dude. I would love to get your guys' thoughts on the viability of this. Like, I think this is like a, a promise of getting off the iOS and Android ecosystem and and having different methods of distribution, et cetera, et cetera. But I, for, I think what public, I do appreciate, I think what I do appreciate about it is um, it seems like it's basically kind of like a, a quote unquote why not strategy. Like, you know, it's super, it's like almost like an option value. Like, hey, this is probably not going to have product market fit when we launch this feature, but let's just, let's just like ship it anyway and see, you know, what the demand is. And then, and then just see how, I guess, consumers react. And if they are actually like playing this, even though it is an inferior kind of like platform for the games, the content that's on that platform, because they're basically using mobile controls, you know, um, it might just be a way to just like actually get some amount of data uh, that they, maybe they probably saw like the Playco announcement. It was just like, hey, if this is worth a billion dollars in terms of valuation, then we should at least like explore this. Yeah. So the, I think yeah. there is that movement towards potentially having stuff off App Store and, you know, kind of like more browser based, et cetera. But I think Facebook's biggest problem right now is just developer credibility, right? It's like, fool me once. Shame on you! Fool me fifty times. You know, it's like, like I'm still I'm still it? scarred from instant <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, like how many <laughs> Facebook pulled the rug under people, right? And just like said, "Hey, we're gonna do all this," and made this big fanfare, and then just like abandoned developers, right? So they have a massive amount of trust integrity and credibility issues that they have to overcome. So they're definitely got major challenge here. Yeah, I and again, I don't think I, I yeah, gaming, I mean these guys have been Jason's been there forever, right? I don't I haven't met, met Jason. I think I may have met him once. But anyway, whatever. Like I don't think their priority is not gaming, right? And so like it's been pretty freaking clear in how they've operated their business. And so yeah, this yeah, this is just another potential disaster from from a publisher perspective if you were starting to build things for things like this but what i liked about his post was it was really pragmatic about it like it wasn't like overstating expectations like he's coming from it from a more humble place but yeah remember the stadium announcement they were like oh it's gonna have all this stuff you know 
Yeah, yeah. That no, changed I, the world. Yeah. yeah. But and, um, and, and the, the one part you didn't mention, Eric, like the cost, right? Like you're talking about bandwidth and disconnects in, in certain countries not being able to get, say, 50 megabits per second from your phone to be able to stream. But also on Facebook side, right, you're going for free-to-play games. You're making none of the revenue up front. And now you're basically giving people unlimited access to stream a free-to-play mobile game. Right, like how much is their cost going to be on a month-to-month basis? That was kind yeah, of one it, of the it, biggest it, issues right. with Stadia. Yeah, if the unit economics don't work on a sixty-dollar game, they're certainly not going to work on a freaking free-to-play game, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on all that. I I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again of 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 complaining about how ridiculous this whole model is. You know? <laughs> like, and, and then yeah, you, you no exclusive content or compelling content, right? Like they're. There is no content on here that I can't get directly from the app store, which is two clicks away. And uh, also like the most, it's going to be a superior experience in almost every circumstance, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I actually, I'm I, I'm like so profoundly disappointed in Stadia because at least, you know, I knew from the get-go this thing was going to fail miserably, but I thought the tech would work, right? But every time I hear about this stuff, like can't even get the tech to work at 1080p, you know, like how is that? compelling you know and that's like what i thought they would nail and then you're yeah. telling me that like it, it's still not working well with a with a demo are you kidding me you know non-online game the demo i mean yep. it's crazy dude so the the games that they're doing on this service are just seem much less likely to be really impacted by latency but still i mean they intentionally i think pick these games to make it you know, not as twitch but i don't know dude uh, you know what? I, I, every time I start talking about this, I think I am going to be wrong. I am going to be dead wrong on this. Like five, ten years from now, I'm going to be like, "Oh my god, I was a moron!" Right? But uh, but then again, every time these things come out, I get proved right every time. Right? So I don't know. We'll see. I think we'll likely be wrong on Game Pass and XCloud. I don't think we'll be wrong here. No, no. I was never. I was always bullish on Game Pass and Xbox. I was always bullish on Microsoft. Okay, good. Let's go back to the beginning of Twig, where there is no Netflix of games. Re-listen to that episode. No, 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 dude. I wrote a piece on this way before that. That was basically saying the only people that can win is Microsoft because they have they have both console and PC and xcloud as an offering right that it's a, it's a, it's an, an addendum to, not addendum you know what i'm saying it's a, no i wrote this i know this is what i believe the whole time because they have alternatives right it's not they're trying to build one type of system it's just it's basically an add-on you know yeah yeah so you're talking about xcloud but i'm talking about content subscriptions so the, the, i agree xcloud as an add-on value to the ecosystem when people have local options makes right. complete, complete sense um, I'm thinking we'll, we'll likely be wrong on the subscription base of Game Pass as a content subscription actually working. No, sorry. Again, my point in this article was that the only content subscription that work is it's something that's tied to hardware, right? Tied to the ecosystem. And that's why Microsoft's okay. the only one that could win. EA can't do it. Ubisoft can't do it. No one, none of the publishers can do it, right? Only hardware manufacturers. Even Nintendo could do it if they were smart, right? And hopefully they will do that because... They already got a great subscription, Eric. Come on, man. Nintendo Online, where you get access to all the Super Nintendo games and Nintendo original games you'd ever want. Yeah, the sarcasm is lost. But I would say <laughs> that there I are a lot more opportunities. Yeah. yeah, no. But that, there's just a lot more opportunities for them because they have both hardware and 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 software. That that was my argument back then. I still believe that to this day, right? All right, I think that'll do it. 
Unless any final thoughts, that's it. That's it. Peace out. All right. Catch y'all later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>